Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Hello and welcome to Coaching Laid Bare Pod where we discussed all aspects of coaching. Tonight, LJ and myself are delighted to welcome none other than Susie Appleby, a great friend of mine and, um, you know, a coach who we both hugely respect. Uh, Susie, how are you doing down there in the old Exeter chief land? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, Bird. And it's really good to chat to you and LJ, my good friends from Hartbury. Of, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we're good down here. Thank you. Loving life by the beach. How's it all going, Suze? What you been, how's, how's lockdown been treating you? Um, well, for me personally, it's been um, between here and the Forest of Dean because we were caught in transition of, of the move, which has been a little bit challenging. Um, beginning of um, lockdown feels like a million years ago because that was when we were accepted into the league, uh, April the 6th. So that was the start of the crazy, crazy world of recruitment or, you know, trying to finalize which i'm still trying to do a squad that can be competitive in the top league in the world is what i believe it is um so, now, sorry susan for those viewers that are listening so you obviously after being head coach as a very successful head coach at hartbury you've um you've taken the appointment of head coach really exciting down at exeter chiefs just for yeah, those people that maybe yeah, don't know so my life's um changed uh, recently so a bit of history then uh, i I was um, in in the old days. I played rugby for England <laughs> a little bit uh, for a few years. Um, when I came out, or actually, kind of um, as I was transitioning out of playing, I was getting into coaching. So I was coaching a lower level, you know, um, Bristol Union stuff. And then was um, fortunate enough to to be invited in to coach um, England sevens. Um, as I said, as I was kind of finishing off. Um, finished literally finished off my playing career and for me um, much like you guys probably that's the next best thing that you can get to playing because playing <clears throat> you those that x-factor feeling that it only we can you know you can't describe it can you what what playing at the top level feels like no. um, coaching is not the same but actually for me I was like oh I wonder if it can bring that kind of um, the feeling that you know playing for your country and everything that comes alongside it so anyway fell into the world of um, top level coaching into the England Sevens world which I was um, lucky enough to be a part of uh, probably about seven seasons um, as part-time coach with some great coaches Barry Maddox um, you know streety in the beginning and then latterly it was with mids who's now obviously england um 15s head coach so that was a great world um and i was doing were, they, were the players shoes with the players then they were semi-pro or were they still um um know? there was kind of a um you know along those years um professionalism came into it so the the players um got full-time contracts god i couldn't even tell you when they first got their contracts yeah. but you know, they they had the opportunity, um, you know, and, and that took them to the Olympics. You know, they had the fishers of this world, you know, Claire Allens, Rachel Burfords, all that kind of era of amazing, incredible female athletes, you know, who are playing at the top level of the game. So, you know, that I was involved with that. And also I was, I was a police officer, but I was looking to 
hopefully coach full time. That's when the opportunity came up at Hartbury College and I kind of hoped that in the future it was a part-time role and I thought oh this could become something really amazing which is exactly what happened you know so I was fortunate enough then to be able to leave my um, policing position which I'd done for 20 years and migrate into a full-time role at Hartbury and as you've touched on you know I then uh, you know we set up a really successful Gloucester Hartbury outfit um, which is an amazing setup now at Hartbury Hopbury College so um done that for five years and then um, an opportunity came up at Exeter Chiefs which I wasn't really looking to I wasn't looking to move I was really happy but sometimes you just you know life takes you on a journey doesn't it and the next bit of my journey um in our coaching world was down to Exeter um it was a new challenge a new opportunity from a coaching perspective a lot in one of I believe the best um clubs not just in the country, I think in the world, you know, and, and led by, run by amazing, amazing group of coaches and, um, and staff. Um, so yeah, that, that just happened. As I said, it wasn't planned. It, it just happened. And, uh, ourselves and the family have moved down, which again, uh, alongside a, a great work opportunity came a, a life move, which is amazing for our children. So here I am. What a fantastic summary there of all your achievements and very modest I might add too. You've left an incredible legacy behind at Hartbury and it's still building and growing thanks to you. So, you know, thanks for that, Suze. And um, LG, we were really excited to talk to you. LG there, you've been very quiet, okay. which is unlike you. How, how have you been doing? How, how's, your, how's your bum, LG? I know after that epic bike ride you've been on, how are you doing? I did a 93, uh, 93Ks on Saturday, Suze, you'll be impressed. On the wow. bike, to London and back, to Central and back, but um, we just missed out on the hundred. So I think we're. Oh, uh, you and I did that. Yeah, yeah. With Patrick on the back. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no way. He can only cope with about twenty k's, and he gets starts to get a bit fidgety. So um, oh, yeah, so pretty pretty sore. Still. <laughs> I did so, a little. I did a little bit of biking this afternoon. I'm like, oh. Still, but anyway but yeah no I'm good thanks um excited to have Susie on yes and, uh, catch it with her about all her thoughts and ideas and um yeah how are you bird are you all good yeah good thanks yeah I've, I've done a you know most probably a 20k bike ride nothing nothing nowhere near like yours but I hope that polo cushions come in handy I sat on now anyway so um, <laughs> yeah so yeah. so great and Susie we are, yeah we're, we're delighted to have you on and really looking forward to catching up so um let's get back to some coaching then guys Algie's leading their questions tonight so over to you Alg. um so obviously Susie as you just said about Exeter and it being a new squad and excitement there but and I know we've all gone through that journey at Heartbree together a little bit anyway but we just wondered um what you might focus on when you're pulling a new squad together so I know obviously we're in a more of a kind of semi-pro pro environment but think about what clubs you know uh, a local level club might also experience yeah. so just your thoughts around that so um I think one of the main reasons we've been successful and um, and managed to get into the Prem 15s is because we are desperate and confident um, that we want to grow the game in the Southwest for women. Um, and that's what's been really lacking is the opportunity for, for those girls um, and players to play at the top level here. Players locally have had to migrate and travel up the road to Bristol. Um, and now 
they don't have to, which is brilliant. So I think that's the first point, you know, when, when we start, when they start to think about a squad and Amy and I working together, you know, we've had a low level team um, running for the last season. Um, a handful of those are good enough realistically to, to move up into the Prem 15 squad. Um, and there's been some difficult conversations had, obviously, because because some of them just don't know. They don't know the level of the top, the top of the women's game, you know. So that's been a challenge trying to communicate that when you can't speak to people or see them or anything. So, um, but those players are our future in terms of being Exeter Chiefs. In terms of us being successful as a club, we want to grow the local players. So um, we've got really good um, network set up with. Um, our hubs, which are Exeter College, Truro College, and Exeter Uni. Um, the uni, as we probably all know, is one of the top unis for rugby. Um, slightly dipped off last year, but unis ebb and flow, don't they? Depending on you know what that cycle is, where they're at in the cycle, um, that will maintain, um, will consistently be a really good program and uh, and a program that we'll be working closely alongside. Um, as I said, the colleges are crucial for us to get young players and that's 16 17 year olds into those colleges into the college environment which are they're really good rugby programs um but they're just developing into those really good rugby programs so we've um we've recruited a rugby um academy manager for females for the first time ever which is really exciting so there's new things happening all the time down here and for me that's what I'm seeing in three years five years and beyond you know those players that are coming into college are going to be wearing those chief shirts but it might not be immediate you know now if you talk about you you guys we all know the level of prem 15s and we've already touched on it is i believe the top of the game in the world honestly for women you know and it, and everybody wants to come and play here which is really great um so for me i'm like uh, you know the club have expectations yes they're realistic you know they don't think we're going to win the league this year tony rose probably given me till next year <laughs> Uh, all tongue, you know, I'm joking, but I'm not joking because it comes with pressure, doesn't it? You know, in in at the top of the game, it comes with pressure and expectation. Um, Tony, Rob, you know, Rob Baxter, you know, really refreshing when I actually accepted the job was, Susie, this has been the most exhilarating experience. And I was like, Rob, what are you talking about? And he's like, honestly, I've I've done a lot of things. Most things I can probably tick the box in in rugby but I've never had anything to do with women's rugby. It's so exciting. And he, and he meant it. Do you know what I mean? Which was, as yeah. I said, really endearing. I've digressed, but I come back to it. There's expectations to deliver, you know, and, and that's, that's a little bit stressful. So, you know, those young players, brilliant. They're our future, you know. Um, for now, we've actually gone outside and overseas to try and get some international players in to, to almost steer the ship and lead the way for this season, you know. Um, you know, in a World Cup season, we all know, it's a funny old season, you know, we don't have as much, we've probably got, well, I could probably count on several hands, you know, 30, 40 contact days that the England players will be in their clubs and they'll be off with England preparing for a World Cup. So actually, England players haven't moved. And fair enough, you know, I've had lots of conversations, lots of excitement. Oh, what, what are we going to bring? Actually, we're staying put, which is fine. You know, I get it. But we want to be competitive. So as I said, we've gone, we've, we've gone to some overseas players. Um, alongside being quality athletes and players and leaders, and the leaders is a big, a bit, really important bit of it for me because we haven't got a lot of time. We're throwing a bunch of strangers together. We could be the barbarians, for, you know, <laughs> almost. Um, 
So we need those leaders, but we also want really good people who really want to embrace what we're trying to achieve and what the future looks like for extra chiefs. So that's a really long winded way of <laughs> kind of just telling you those bits, you know, I'm using my hands because, you know, it's like a jigsaw, isn't it? You know, how's it going to fit together? What's going to bring us the most, some bang for your buck to try and be competitive this season, but also let's really bit keep in mind what next season and the and the season after you know because though that's our future as I said you know not not just for to maintain you know to be allowed to stay in the league because that's how competitive it is isn't it but yeah but because we want those girls in the region not to go and play netball or hockey or you know or cricket actually I've got a dual international cricket and um, rugby player age 17 which is super exciting isn't it so you know let's keep her in rugby um yeah, sorry, that's a that's a really long one, but hopefully it kind of answers the question. There's um yeah, it's been a real challenge and it continues to be a real challenge. Is a I really um I really like the the points you make around the opportunity for the community and um trying to link with I know particularly for yourself it's with colleges and universities, but and Bird I don't know if you'd agree with this, but if you were a a, a club and trying to engage with the local area, I know thinking about schools or a college, trying to engage that next generation. Like you say, Susie, not just thinking about this season, next season, but five years down the line, tapping into like unexpected talent, which I, I believe south of Exeter, there's going to be some gems that will come out without a doubt. Having yeah. known, you know, known that area as a, a, a divisional coach, regional coach you know, of old, there's going to be some gems that come up. And I think that's really, really important. Um, yeah I, I, yeah I'll come in there else definitely because I think you know the fact you're appointing a rugby academy manager as well is really really exciting because as you know like at Hartbury you've got that pathway development from those young girls all the way up you know and anybody listening to this pod now down in Devon Cornwall Dorset you know they'll they'll be so excited because there's going to be some cracking young players down there you know maybe playing other sports and thinking oh wow I've got a real opportunity and chance now to play rugby at Exeter Chiefs you know, their yeah. club, a really successful club, and now they've got a women's side. So that buzz, it's, it's definitely happening. I, you know, I hear people talking about it. There's huge expectations on you as well to deliver. Um, you know, and going back to that question, you know, the question LJ asked about what do you focus on when you're pulling that new squad together? I think you summed it up really well. You know, you're talking about your leaders or drivers, as the new word now is in, in the rugby yeah. world, you know, taking it forward. Um, initially because you've got to be competitive because you're now in the top flight rugby but as well you've got that focus that drive on developing that young those youngsters coming through and I think with the academy and that those links with the colleges you've got in place it's going to be a really exciting buzz and um, you know huge opportunities there for youngsters moving forward so yeah, yeah. you've almost got two strands to it mm, I think um, I, well, I don't think uh, you wouldn't believe you, I don't know if you guys came to any of the England internationals, you know, England women, the Red yeah. Roses came to Exeter Chiefs. Oh my God. You know, it was, house. it was, it was buzzing. It was, you know, it was kicking, you know, whatever that word you want to describe it. And all the young kids, honestly, we did a picture up and play the, 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 you know, leading up to it. All those young girls turned up with extra chief shirts on. They all have them. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't, you know, they they don't just Brilliant. walk up in you know your trainers and your pair of shorts that they grabbed from their brother or something. They've all got the kit because they live and breathe it. Honestly, you know, you know, I will had um. I had an electrician in our house earlier and we were talking about the job and everything. And he's, and I said, are you, are you a rugby fan? He said, of 
well, I live in Exeter, don't I? Of course I'm a Chiefs fan. And that's, <laughs> honestly, that's the kind of culture, because, you know, we could spend hours discussing culture, but that's the kind of mentality you have down in New Zealand, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm in New Zealand, I love rugby, because that's what we do here. And it's a bit, honestly, it's a bit like, there's not really, a, you know, there's Exeter um, City football, but, you know, on a, on a Saturday, everyone swarms to Sandy Park. Now, our challenge is, you know, we'll play on the alternative Saturdays and we want to generate as much interest for the female game as there is for the men's game. And I think we can do it. I, I'm, I'm confident, you know, having seen an international and, and the, the popularity of rugby and the willingness to come and support the female game I truly believe they'll come, but it's going to take some work and it's going to take, you know, we've already touched on the community. The work in the community is massive. We've got a really good community department. We will then be linking that with the academy manager. You know, I've had a conversation with a guy, um, which means we can go into schools. The Maynard school, which is a massive girls school, you know, is one of our sponsors on our ship, you know, and that, Brilliant. and they came to us. That's, they wanted to be a part of it. And there's lots of, you know, people just want to be a part of it. Um, anyway, I'll stop oozing now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as I said, there's challenges, but the, the most important thing is the opportunity is huge, huge, huge. And what, what can we make of it? Yeah. Wow. Exciting times, eh? Woo! Bring it on. Exeter Chiefs, bring it on. Well, that, um, that leads really quite nicely into the kind of next question really we have for you. Um, uh, well, for all of us, really. And what, what's your first session going to look like when you've got mm -hmm. your players back? And I, I think most probably at this time, a lot of coaches are thinking that, you know, what's it going to look like, you know? Cause... Yeah, they are. And um, as I've already touched on it. We've, um, we've got a bunch of strangers coming in, haven't we? You know, <laughs> we're doing our best with a few Zoom calls and stuff, but that's not, that's not real life, is it? You know, it's not like, you know, we're coming back together after this weird old few mm -hmm. months and we've all been in this club together already. Yeah. Um, you know, the first session is unfortunately going to be dictated by the return to rugby guidelines, you know, which we wouldn't, none of us would wish for. However, you know, it is what it is. We're going to make it as fun and engaging as we possibly can. We're all in it together. We just got to get on with it and we'll get to the fun stuff, you know, and, you know, but there's going to be some hard work, isn't there? It's pre-season effectively and, and yeah. the fitness levels need to ramp it up. Um, so, yeah. Um, alongside I think, it, that, yeah, I think there's the most important thing birds um, yeah. for us is how how do we and again I'll use my hands how how do we how do we bring this how do we bring cohesion as quickly as we can because maximum we get is nine weeks together before yeah. we play a game potentially yeah. you know if things stay as they are so how how do you get these players cohesive how do you how do I, you know, embrace Bird? Because I've known her for 10 years of my life. Oh, no, I haven't. I've, owned, I've known her for 10 hours and I've worked with her for 10 days type thing. How, how do you bring that? Because effectively, we're coming into this league in year four and we're three years behind, behind the game. You know, same as Sail Sharks, you know. So how can we, how can we maximize that catch up? And that'll be our challenge, you know. I'm, I'm not unrealistic mm. in that. I, I have a vision of how we want to play. Can we play it? I don't know. You know, can we play bits of it? Yes, I think so, because of the players that we have and the, and the levels they can play at. Will we be playing it in the first half of the season? Little bits of. I hope it'll, you know, it'll be more obvious, probably, or evident in the second half of the season. And then for years two and three, you know, this, this is a journey, as I said. I, I, yeah. I'll keep using the word yeah. journey because we're on a journey. You know, that's how it is. I hope that the journey will 
gain momentum, you know, because that's, that's what journeys do is it, especially in the rugby world, you know, and I hope that the players that we have recruited, because I've had so many conversations and some of them have led to disappointment, you know, because they've chosen elsewhere, which is life. But actually those that are coming in really have felt my passion and really want to embrace what we're trying to achieve. And they want to come for a longer than a season. They don't see it as a season, you know, they see it as that, that longevity that, you know, so um, sorry. So uh, again, I've digressed. That's what I tend to do. I do apologize. So, um, you know, that's yeah, your, your passion, your passion is shining through, Suze. Your passion is shining through. Yeah, and we so, know you're being passionate because you're using your hands. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry, I and for, for all our podcast listeners, obviously they can't see Susie's hands, but trust me, she's very animated and they're going all over the place. But I think, Suze, just coming in there and touching on what you were saying, I mean, the first session back, yeah, you know, it is, we're guided by what the, you know, the rules are from the RFU and it's going to have to be very structured. It's, it's going to, you know, the player's safety, coach's safety, etc staff safety it's got to be paramount but paramount but for you especially with a new squad that's just coming together like that it is going to be even more difficult because you don't know each other so you know how do you create that like you said and you know zoom like i said all this it stuff's been brilliant but when you actually get everyone together yeah. i know myself and um, linny went to see the head coach at um Hartby went down to see a group of girls down in swansea today in their little bubble down there and just to see the girls and watch them doing their running training it was just brilliant and it was a real buzz you know and and as rugby players it was also really difficult so the first thing you want to do as a rugby player is go and give them a high five Ray, give them a little pull and just, you know and whatever you can't do that and it's it's, it's going to be a different world for us so so yeah i mean i don't know else because you're, you're going back straight to it pretty much aren't you pretty much yeah we, we're starting our uh, stage one next week um but i think the biggest thing and obviously sues for you with a, a new group will be it's not necessarily what you do it's how you make them feel so that group's new um they don't know each other like you've just said some of them might not all of them and it's going to be about how they feel especially like those first few weeks i know for you it'll be really important what's in that that session but they won't remember session one in mm. six months time but they will remember how they felt um how those first interactions happen and i and i know we before we started recording we we were chatting about this you know as coaches we haven't actually got in front of people for a while and for me that's kind of where i'm at the minute i'm thinking there's all these restrictions we've got to be really really sensible but actually what can i do what can i do how can i make interact with the players because i can't go and give them a hug like you said bird which is what i'd normally do yeah. you know i've seen a few of them recently and i've had to be like oh i won't hug you yet and it feels really alien, but actually I'm going to have to find ways to, to communicate with them, interact with them, but I wouldn't have, like I wouldn't have done before um, and be a bit creative with some of, some of the things I'm going to do because, you know, naturally I quite like doing some of the, the collision-based stuff and it's going to be so easy to do at the minute. So, um, mm. yeah, really thinking outside the box but trying to make people feel good because everyone, like you've just said, want, they just want to, they want to play again. They want to train. They want to play. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, um, I already talked about someone who's um, been kind enough to do a bit of mentoring with me um, recently. And, and she said to me, um, oh, what, 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 do you, what do you want it to look like by Christmas? You know, what, what, do, you want to, what do you want it to look like? Because some things are within my control and some things aren't. But yeah. Some, yeah. Things that, something that's really important to me, and it's come from a few conversations that I've had of players that haven't been happy at clubs and therefore they've made moves and stuff like that is that I would like to think that by Christmas we have players and staff who feel valued 
and that's a really big thing for me yeah. and not necessarily anything that and I'll, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say necessarily that it's been top of my agenda in the past, you know, but for me, most definitely coming out of what we've all just experienced, mm. that is a priority. Now there's someone else then said to me, well, what does, what does it look like? What does, you know, ha and how do you know? And that's the next challenge, isn't it? You know, you can say, Oh, do you feel valued? Yeah, I do. Oh, <laughs> great. You know, that's, that's not ticket. That's just yeah. going, you know, so that's, as I said, you know, and it's not, it's not going to be a straightforward process. You know, there's there's players coming who are demanding, honestly, you know, and they have expectations because they're in a World Cup cycle and they're going, you know, they're going to New Zealand, fingers crossed, in next mm. October to compete in the, at the very top of their game. Yeah. And that's why they're coming to us. So, as I said, there's, there's already expectations and going back in on the, August the 10th isn't anything like, but it's, it's going to be completely the opposite of what it was going to look like. We're not going to be at Sandy Park. I'm not going to have the support that I was going to have, you know, when we thought we were going back to Sandy Park and this is what it was going to look like. Mass a massive selling point of our program is the integration with the boys. Now, we can't do that, you know, from the off, we can't do that. Ironically, it's a massive selling point and it's, um, it's the, one of the one things that we can't promise, you know, from the off because mm. it, it's just physically impossible. So, you know, but it will come. But I have to, I, I have to, have the patient the patients the the players trust that it's going to come you know and they are going to get what they need to be that very best player but like you said lj for us as coaches it's creativity isn't it it's being yeah. it's yeah. using your initiative because yeah. we can't do it like that how are we going to do it to make that player feel oh yeah actually i'm really getting those gains you know oh yeah, yeah. and it's not going to look like how i i'm not going to get those gains by how are you like how i used to Oh, and I'm used to, in pre-season, we all run, run them ragged with our con games, you know, which are really, really fun. Someone like Kerry Large up at your place, she's not going to be liking pre-season this year, is she? <laughs> Good like old Kerry Large. Year. Good old Largey. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to just run up that hill beard. Yeah, <laughs> get moving. She's been taking to cycling late, lately and doing a grand job. Oh, uh, you know, but, you know, you're Nolly Waterman's, you know, I'll quote Knowles, you know, Knowles was a horrific trainer. She'll, she'll admit it herself. One of the finest players that the women's game has ever produced hated training unless she had a ball in her hand and then she was on fire. So, you know, we'll learn things about these players in these few weeks, especially the first ones that we might not have known about them just by how they embrace the challenges that are before them. Um, yeah. First, the very first one's getting them back on the field because that is like, oh my God, it's like yeah. so complicated. Um, yeah. yeah, so again, a, a digression, but yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's what we're hoping to get to. I think I think it's going to be difficult, you know, just talking to some of the girls. I mean, most of the girls I've spoken to, they're buzzing, absolutely buzzing. They just want to get out there. They want to play. And I think a lot of it is going to be having to suppress that energy as well and to say, well, actually, this is what we're going to be able to do. And I think, you know, that, that's going to be kind of dealing with that as well, that over-eagerness to get back on there and, and want to take part and do everything. And it's like almost like, well, well, no, these are the stages. This is what we have to do. So it's kind of that. Then you've got your players that are like, is it safe? Can, am I going to be okay? You know, reassuring those players. On top of that, you've got your players that are coming from abroad that are going to have to go into isolation before they can come. So it's, it's going to be a really <coughs> different world. And it's like, and I think, you know, all our powers of, you know, being able to talk to players, reassure, encourage, you know, get, get all our kind of psychologists that we're lucky enough, some of us to work with, you know, on board as well, just so those players are reassured. And like LJ, LJ said and yourself, you know, making them feel valued and that 
there's going to be it's going to be a long-term process but we will get there and there is a light at the end of the tunnel and um, yeah. we are moving to that light and, and for you Suze yes yeah, it's, it's a bit longer because you're a new club but but you will get there and it's just that reassurance isn't it I don't know Elge anything else um, to add on that no I just um I'm just intrigued now really to move across a bit into sevens for Susie to give us yeah. a bit of uh, inspiration I know I definitely had a lot of inspiration when we worked together at Heartbreak is I was really lucky to do a lot of seven a lot of sevens with the the juniors particularly um but uh do you think there are practices or skill sets that really lend themselves into the 15s that can help all players even even the front row players you know yeah ah! I do I do 100% um you know now bear in mind I've been out of that world probably four or five years now so I mean the game has changed out of sight probably the, the the sevens world you know even from when I was in there so um yeah and I'll tell you the reason why I feel really strongly about um the sevens world having such a positive influence on your 15s world if and vice versa because i've already made mention of them if you look at the players that i've had the pleasure of working with and been lucky enough to work with your nolly watermans your claire allens um rachel burford who's probably the, the hardest working player that i've ever worked with in my life and the most diligent those players in the sevens world and Bearing in mind, I'm talking about when, when they turned pro, so we had the luxury of working with them probably every day. They worked so hard on their skills, and they had the very best skills, I think, in the world. And that was the whole of the sevens world, and that was the Kiwis included. And that was because at the time we were able to work with them and the effort and the willingness to make themselves better. Now... If you have the luxury of being able to input to a prop or a second row or a back row to that degree, you will super, you will up their skills that much that they will become super skilled in whatever avenue. I'm not saying it has to be catch pass, but if you can get players that have the ability to to do that kind of thing and then develop it into an offloading game and then into, you know, onto that bigger field. Now, I'm not suggesting you want props running 100 meters, you know, to, and all realistically, but... I think there is so much value in that sevens game that can bring back to the 15s game. And that's why, you know, I've had a lot of conversations recently with Charlie Hayter, who, as you guys know, is um, head coach of the women's sevens at the moment. Um, and alongside that with mids, um, you know, and with Scotty Beamond. So, and the reason these conversations have come about is because of the Olympics being put back a year. So originally we had a few players, a couple of players come in to play with us. Um, one from the USA, one from England, et cetera, et cetera. Cause we knew they would go to the Olympics, they compete in the Olympics and then we were going to get them into the first season in, um, in at Exeter, which is going to be amazing. Then the goalpost changed obviously for the world and everybody else. And things changed in that um, we weren't going to get them. Um, but anyway, this led to a lot of conversations around, with Charlie in particular, him valuing players being able to play both, which I think is massive. And I've always believed in it. Now, there's certain people within England that completely disagree with it and they think they should choose 15s or 7s. Now, if you look at France, New Zealand, Australia, etc., etc., in the women's game, Canada have excelled at this. USA are top two, three in the world now and they're crossing over. So there's, 
I think it can be done. You know, as I said, the SNC is challenging. That's the main aspect that's challenging, but the skill sets I think the thing yeah. that I also experienced when I know I worked with the juniors when I did a lot of seven stuff for them, but you're talking about those lower numbers um, in the, in the pack. And it also gave them confidence because they had to all get their hands on the ball. They all had to make a decision. You yep. couldn't just rely on someone else. You can't hide, can you? No hiding. So it, it really gave them confidence. And I definitely believe, you know, we went and played some pretty high-level tournaments at sevens yep. for under 18s. And that was really amazing experience. But take all that away. I do think doing some of the kind of sevens training, the, the kind of drills, um, the focus around the catch pass and also the tackling, because that was really key, I think. Yep. At that, you know, I'm not talking about England level. I'm talking about developing a, a a player, a developing player under 18. They they grew so much, and you could see it, couldn't you? When when we were doing it, and they were getting more confident, and all of a sudden they'd have a light bulb moment, and you'd get so much out of them. And then we'd go and start playing 15s, and it was a lot, you know, it was a lot better for them. And I think yeah. the other thing they really benefited from they could see spaces, and they could see because there's less people on the field, it's much more obvious. Um, now I'm not trying to make the sevens game sound simple, but just from a tool to uh, upskill those lower numbered players, I think it really that was for me that the the moment where I was like, well, actually, I do see a a, a positive with the sevens. Yeah, uh, but you know, you know sorry. LJ, sorry, bird. The no, um, sevens wheels has come around. It comes in cycles. Oh, everyone thinks uh, a few years ago, everyone wanted to move the ball to the edge and that's what they did. And they gave it to Dan Norton and off he went and he scored tries or Carlin Isles or whoever, you know, and they gave it to the speedsters. Then, then comes the, the next cycle when it's all about collisions, you know, and it, and it honestly, uh, uh, who can dominate the collisions, you know, and the South Africans are really, really good at it. The Kiwis yeah. excel at it and therefore they started to dominate the world. Um, and then it comes for all that. Oh, actually, should we move the ball to the edge? So there's nothing complicated about the game that they're playing. It's just, it's just who can be on on that particular form. In in the sevens world, it's so exciting. I mean, I, I still love watching it. You know, they go back to back tournaments, and it's very very unlikely that you'll have success on back to back weeks. You know, as a men's as a men's setup. Never mind a women's setup because of the demands, the massive demands on the body, and therefore your recovery. You know, if you smashed it out the park one week, you, you just can't do it. You can't back it up, you know. It, you know, the Fijians might have done it once, you know, or the Kiwis maybe done it once. So it's just a, di it's a different level. It's a really exciting game. But, you know, again, lots of conversations with your Abby Browns of this world, you know, who you guys all know because she came through us, through Heartbreak. Yeah. It's now in that sevens world. But actually, Abs and others really want to embrace the 15s world. And they're going to yeah. because because they're going to have to play some 15s to play any rugby at all. So and actually, some of them are really really excited about it because they just haven't had the opportunity because it's a whole different. They get they go off around the world, but actually, is it real? Well, it's real when you go to the commies or to the comet or to the Olympics. But actually, the rest of it is waiting to get on the field for seven minutes. Seven minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. And then I've got to wait another month because, because I've got to go to my next tournament. So actually some of them are going, Oh my God, I'm going to get to play loads of rugby. Um, and there's not enough. I, you know, as I said, Charlie and I discussed, you know, lots of about, there's not enough rugby in the women's game to, 
to not play both codes in yeah. in our opinions you know and, and give young players opportunities you know some of those young players that have been on the circuit this year they haven't played much rugby hardly mm. played any rugby but actually they could have been playing some picking up some 15s you know and playing rugby you know whilst they were doing the sevens thing living the dream so yeah i think there's a massive room for more exploring of how the worlds can collide and they should in my opinion you know um but that is my opinion and who cares <laughs> who cares i like that but talking about that i mean that's the elite end we're talking about there and for any coaches that are listening to this pod you know because obviously you know grassroots as well sevens is a brilliant game you know you've got sevens you've got tens there's less people on the field there's more space for the kids to run with the ball and you know things like the tackle you were you were talking about elge you know that tackle speed defeat to get back to defend you know all that really brings that those key elements into the game you can cross over to 15s you know catch pass as well and i think sevens and, and and tens can kind of lend itself to that um you know at the not the elite end but also lower down um yeah. you know grassroots to, to develop those skills and it's an exciting game you know you see kids you know being able to have that space to throw the ball around run you know it's really exciting for those kids to play that and a great think, um, as well you know i think those are really really valid points and i tell you what what is really exposed if you don't get your for example catch pass right in a game of seven you blow an opportunity. Now, mm. if you don't get it quite right in 15s, you don't necessarily. You get another shot, if that yeah. makes sense. So yeah, yeah. You're, I think that's why in the sevens game, um, those skills have to be so on point, you know, and wh whatever the level, you know, I know we're, I'm, I keep talking about the elite, but it's the same in, you know, at Rosslyn Park sevens, you know, when Hartbury play um, Filton, you know, or, you know, in the women's or whatever, you know, if, if your skills aren't on point. And that's why I think, um, and I'll take it back to the 15s world and back to when we kick off on Mar um, August the 10th, we have to, it's an opportunity, again, an opportunity that let's not see it as we do see it. Oh, we won't be able to do this and we won't be able to do that and we won't do it. But it's a massive opportunity to get that catch pass right. Do you know what I mean? Because we're going to yeah. we're going to re we're going to revisit it and revisit. And it's not massively exciting. But if you want to be one of the best players in your club and then represent England or Wales or whoever then if you get this bit right and it's a little bit mundane sorry about that but if you just invest the time and you know you're going to become that better player and actually yeah. if things have been normal we wouldn't have got that opportunity so again you know there's opportunities coming and it's whether we can kind of persuade because there is a lot of persuasion isn't it and we, we you you we can all talk about coaching styles and whether you tell or sell or whatever you know and all those you know whatever it looks like you know if you can persuade and encourage those players to repeat and repeat and repeat not being really dull because then you'll go off and do something like you'll have to run 100 meters or whatever um but then you'll bring it back and when we get to stage two you'll be into that tackle tech now it's been interesting watching the boys actually on their level one and now moving into the level two because they focus loads and they repeat and they repeat and they repeat and they're professional players you know like yeah. and they and yet you know it's probably in it's in them isn't it it's just that's what they do and but that's what's made them so good and have the opportunity to be professional players i think so. i think what you're talking about there Susie, is like the core skills of rugby 
like you know your catch pass your tackle tech you know and they they need to be revisited over you know do we revisit them enough do we do them enough in our sessions you know and that and that's that's a question you know we, we put to all coaches you know i talked about when i was worked with the dragons boys and we called it housekeeping and every part of the session was revisiting those foot you know footwork patterns you can include with snc your catch pass your catch pass drills your tackle tech and you make it interesting you have to think outside the box as a coach so it's not the same drill you're challenging your players but you know without those skills you're not going to be able to progress um to become the best the best player that you can be so it's vitally important mm -hmm. that they are revisited i don't know do you want to come in there you've been too quiet come on out no i i, <laughs> you're listening. I, I agree I, I agree with both of you i do i know what you mean Suze, about sometimes it can be a bit boring a bit repetitive but that then is our challenge isn't it because there are ways we can make it a little bit more exciting and it doesn't mean that they can't do the same, <clears throat> you know, they can have a, you can as a coach have a menu of drills that you will revisit, but maybe you can just slightly tweak them each week. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually been quite a few um, coaches who are, are back in, in the community game, back at their clubs, been putting little videos up on Twitter of their, you know, social distance training. And obviously mm -hmm. a lot of it is with the catch pass and some of their ideas have been really great. So like, there's definitely that creativity out there and I, <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not, and you know, you've, you guys have worked with me long enough. I'm not afraid of doing that, that repetitive stuff. But I also think right now where we're going to go, it's probably going to drive us to be even more creative as coaches to, to find ways to, like you say, persuade the players, um, mm. but dress it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we are doing loads of catch pass, but we'll do it a little bit differently. And yeah. Maybe we'll wear fancy dress, LJ. What do you think? <laughs> Maybe you, know I, you know how I love to dress up. I really hope I really hope that's what your first session looks like. I tell you what, yeah. I'll update. Yeah, the pump, that, pumpkin suit. Uh, you know, now you've sown that seed, I might have to show you a video <laughs> of my first session in my pumpkin outfit. Who knows so. so. what's coming in uh, in Exeter in August? That's brilliant. And that, that kind of leads nicely into the next next kind of um, question we've got to discuss. And that's, you know, with the renewed focus um, this year and clarity as well on the breakdown. Um, you know, what, coming again, touching on sevens, because we, we want to use your expertise on this, Suze. Um, but, you know, do you think we can learn from the sevens in this kind of area of the game? Because um, there's been a massive refocus on, on the breakdown and clarity, which, is, which was much needed, actually. I don't, um, I don't necessarily think it's um, learning from sevens. I think it's being more really accurate in what you're doing and making good decisions. That's, that's all that's changed, isn't it, really? It's, it's nothing, it's not rocket science, it's nothing new. You know, that bit that Wayne Barnes was speaking about, it's just them picking up more on it, on it I, I feel, you know, as I said. Um, yes, the sevens breakdown is incredibly quick. I've talked, I've touched on it, you know. Is there competition at the breakdown? Yes, there is. But is the time to have that competition? You know, it's a 1v1 effort effectively, isn't it? And have I got time to then get on my feet and go through? That's what you're finding in the 15s game now, isn't it? That people are making instant decisions that the, the best sevens in the world are still doing what they do and they're doing it really, really effectively. Um, and for me, it looks like the attack have knocked off a bit, honestly, you know, in terms of their accuracy. Or maybe <laughs> it's just, as I said, that they're just not... in getting away with the side entry and you know that mm. looseness yeah, so, I, mm. I think that yeah. I think that yeah. I think that the referees are that's always happened like if you yeah. uh, 
the geek that I am, I've been watching some of the old replays of games that have, you know, gone by in the last few seasons. And I definitely think the side entry from attack, like attack, it's almost been like a uh, an unwritten rule that you you give that little bit of um, leeway to the attack if they come in at the side. Doesn't matter if they they <clears throat> get hold of someone and dive off their feet. You know, they don't penalise you. Um, whereas now, I I honestly don't. I think they're they don't care. Well, they don't care. They're actually refing it. Sorry, it's the wrong words to use. And um, I, I'm quite excited by that. I think it's really great because even though it puts the fear of God into <clears throat> to Giselle, you know, because of her attack mind, I'm like, well, actually, this is really exciting because at the breakdown, they have to now start staying on their feet, stay square, go through. Some of the techniques that you can use are, are really great and exciting. And that's coming from a, a collision. Breakdown noise. Yeah, <laughs> breakdown noise <laughs> over here. But I, I, I think it's brilliant that they're actually picking them up and not caring. Like, well, just because you've got the ball, we're not going to presume, well, you, you probably didn't come in from the side. They, they're really hot on it. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, Suze, as well, with your point you made at the start, in, in like the focus has got to be in what everybody's individual responsibility is, in, you know, in yeah. the breakdown area, to make sure what we want the tackler to do, you know, what we expect from the jackler. You know, the big thing as well is making sure our jackler is you know Wade Barnes was really clear on it if you're not if you're not going over to pick that ball up if you're trying to pull it in to hold it down then you're going to lose it so there's real clear expectations now of what you know what we expect from the person going to ground to make sure they present the right way you know uh, the person going over the ball the person clearing out and I think it's tidied up a lot of um, the breakdown mysteries if you like that were kind of people were allowed to get away with and it's, yeah. it's cool. I think once the Prem gets up and running, it'll be interesting to see if there's a difference. Do you know what I mean? Because, well, also post-COVID, you know, people are not going to be wanting lengthy breakdowns, are they? Okay, so therefore, you know, I know know our our Chiefs boys, for example, are doing a lot of work around the breakdown in terms of accuracy. Now, is that coming from perceived rule changes or law changes are actually just, let's make sure we're just as efficient as we possibly can Mm. be. So... I think it's all, it's only going to lead to more positivity, isn't it? And that's what they're looking for, positivity around 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 the breakdown, which in essence is what a ref job is, isn't it? Can we make this as pure as possible? Yes, we can. Let's not be, let people get away with what they have been getting away yeah. with. Great. Happy days. Let's move forward. So, uh, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, if you watch the Super Rugby as well, the speed, the tempo now as well of the game is just, it's a different level, isn't it? And, um, you know, I think that, that's kind of those, revisiting the breakdown has helped that. Um, you I know, think I also think... having the, um, obviously the, the threat of the, the ref now and letting you get onto the ball because, you know, I definitely believe, and you guys will have your own opinion, but definitely at our level, even if you were getting on the ball, refs weren't giving you any, they weren't really giving you the benefit of the doubt at all. Whereas when you're watching it now, the threat of that player, if they're on the ball and you survive that clear out, you're getting that ball. I think yeah. you're going to see more creativity of ball carriers. Um, and again, that, that breakdown yeah. more stuff in me, I'm like, encourage players to be really good at going to floor and getting back up and then keeping hold of the ball. Um, and then the, that seven stuff around the offloading, Sue's, you know, pre, pre-contact footwork, keeping the ball alive, all that sort of stuff that I'm sure gets your sevens uh, blood flowing. You know, that's going to be really, could be really exciting now for us 
as ball carriers. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to, it's, it's going to be exciting times. And, and I, I think you're right there, Alge, you know, the offloading game, you know, speed defeat as well. It's, it's just going to bring a different level. I'm, I can't wait for the Prem to see what happens there, but I've certainly loved watching the Super Rugby in New Zealand and just watching how it's taken off there. It's been brilliant. So yeah, be really looking forward to getting involved with that and doing some, some of that training. Can't wait. So Alge, I think we've kind of covered everywhere there. We, we chatted around through our questions. Suze, anything more from you on anything? No. Oh, Susie's now nodding her head side to side for our viewers that can't see that movement, shaking it, of course. <laughs> it's gone quite dark down next. Have you got any electricity down there? No, so, no, we can't afford anything. Can't see you. That's what comes next in life, hopefully. We've got some candles. Uh, but be, before before we finish, Suze, LJ's, LJ is going to go into a quick fire questions now. So get yourself ready. Alge, over to you. Basically, you just have to answer straight away, Suze. Okay, be on bird. Five questions. Bring it on. Is it a race? Like, is bird answering as well, or is it just me? No, Same time. It's both of you. It's not a race, but you've just got to answer it straight. It's away. really competitive, so get ready. <laughs> okay, I've got my hand on the buzzer. <laughs> ready. Uh, Coke or Lucas Aid? I, if, yeah, I, if, if it was at a push, I'd have to say Coke, but I don't like either of them. Um, running or swimming? Swimming. Running. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Swimming any day. T-shirt or vest? Vest! <laughs> <Best! laughs> T-shirt. Susie has sat here, guys, in a vest and always is in a vest. <laughs> Love it, LJ. Chocolate or sweets? Chocolate! Oh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to go with chocolate, actually. Now my, my tastes have changed getting older. <laughs> and uh, the last one is beach or ski? Oh, that's really oh, that's harsh. Hard. That is harsh. Oh. Well, I'd have to say... Beach. Uh, snowboard. Snowboard. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even an option. <laughs> it is. That's in my world. Bodyboard or snowboard? That's really, oh. really. Like, really did you really notice? Cool. Did you notice they were all tailored for you, Susie? Yes, I did. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now <laughs> I need to learn how to kite surf because that's what they all do down here. Oh, kite oh, surf and paddleboard. So that might be your uh, first next session one. with your next, your new squad. Kite yeah. surf. Watch this space, LJ. Watch this space. Love what do you it. think our building's going to involve? I want a video of the kite surfing and the fancy dress. <laughs> yes, we look In forward to that. Maybe we'll post that live as well. Yeah, <laughs> Suze, it's been it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on you, and thank you for being so open and honest as well. Um, and you know, we we wish you all the very best of luck with Exeter Chiefs. Really look forward to welcoming you guys into the into the Premiership, and um, hopefully seeing you soon as well. Else? Brilliant. Well, I look forward to welcoming you down to Sandy Park, Wasps and Cross. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. Okay, guys. Well, if you want to hear more um, or send us in some questions, please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe and catch up all with you soon. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.